You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, hockey fans. Have you ever needed an excuse to buy a new jersey? Would winning a cool hockey gift card be reason enough? Well, from May 1st to June 1st, any jersey purchased through our link will automatically enter you into a draw to win a $175 gift card to coolhockey.com. All you have to do is go to www.coolhockey.com slash THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network. Buy the jersey that you should already have by now, Panarin, Kako, heck, maybe even Adam Fox. Then go on Twitter and tell us which jersey you ordered so we can connect you with your purchase for the live drawing on June 6th. That's it. Anybody who buys a jersey through our link before June 1st will have a shot at a $175 gift card thanks to our friends at Cool Hockey. Oh, and if we see 10 sold by May 15th, we'll make it a $200 gift card. So make sure to use promo code THPN for 30% off. It's about $75. One last time, that's www.coolhockey.com THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network. So what are you waiting for? It's finally time to get that Kako jersey, Panarin, Fox. You buy one, you can get a chance to win a gift card, and then you can have two, which, as everyone knows, is better than one. So visit www.coolhockey.com slash THPN today. This is the Broadway Boys podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and Andy and I are back with episode 58, and we are going to do a little game today for the Rangers' upcoming 2020 draft, where we'll run the tankathon as many times as needed, and we're going to give you an idea of who, well, Andy's going to give you an idea of who the Rangers should take, since he is the, I guess, the unformal draft expert in the, uh, probably in all of the hockey podcast network i would say that you're probably on the on the uh, mount rushmore of most knowledgeable <laughs> of the uh of the prospects in the especially in this draft coming up uh so we're gonna basically run the tankathon like i said and see what the rangers have but first let's get into a little bit of uh news i guess i should say um the first thing i want to say is i came across the new york rangers article basically saying that seattle will basically be picking um king george and 
I couldn't believe that this was an actual article because I'm pretty sure there's almost a 0% chance that he would get drafted, uh, which is why we got Berube. And I wanted you just to clarify that I am right in this situation, that the Rangers would not lose a goalie in the, uh, in the upcoming expansion draft. Well, yeah, I, uh, I mean, was this, is this website a Rangers related website or is it just like a hockey? I'm pretty sure it's, in general. We be bleed blue, which is like one of the bigger things on Facebook in terms of the New York Rangers. Hmm. And yeah. I, w- I will have to say that it seemed like the person writing the article was the least knowledgeable on the entire uh, on the entire Internet about this situation, because literally everyone underneath in the comments was like, oh, oh that's why we have like, un- <laughs> Yeah, they're like, unfollow. This is the last straw that I have with you. Like, this wow. Is- yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, so uh, not to kick someone when they're down, but you are indeed correct, James. I, I mean, speculatively, the Rays and the Rangers went out and got Jean-Francois Berube is to have someone, a goalie to uh, expose for the expansion draft. So, yeah, I don't think there's any chance. I don't think the Rangers are, would go through the three-headed goalie carousel that they've been doing the last uh, six months. It, just so they could lose Alexander Georgiev at the expansion draft. If they knew they couldn't protect him or they were going to lose him for anything, they would have just, I don't know, they probably because... would have just tried to get get uh, scrap for him. This way you don't have like a questions about what Lundqvist is doing on the bench and they could have avoided a lot of headache if that was the, if that, if they knew that was going to happen. But no, that's, uh, I don't believe that's the case. And I believe you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, the Rangers got Perube to expose him in the expansion draft. Right. And I just to go over it real quick so that people understand why this is happening is that um, Shishirkin will be under his entry level contract in which you are not eligible for the expansion draft. Hank has a no trade clause, so I believe he's not eligible. And isn't his contract technically up? So he yeah, would not be yeah, eligible anyway. He would just be. No, he won't be on the Rangers payroll by then. He'll be off. So. And George would be eligible. But the Rangers then got Barube, who they would expose as a player for the entry draft. So it yeah. seems like the Rangers made long-term plans to hold George and Igor and uh, kind of stick with those two uh, till that point. So yeah. who knows? I know we got a little feedback from one of our uh, friends, Gibby, and he was a little perplexed of where I was coming from with the whole Lundqvist situation last week. But uh, what he doesn't realize is that um, we are Ranger fans, so it's a little bit more emotional for us. And, you know, we we know what the Rangers should be doing. And the Lundqvist situation is very perplexing and very complicated. And I think it's torn the New York Rangers community because of what he's done in the past and how he should be treated in the future. And it's just uh, I don't think the Rangers are really doing anything wrong by Henrik Lundqvist, who's 38 years old. So. Uh, number two, okay, Andy, uh, I am in the midst of a bet with, uh, Jimmy Collins of the morning skate. He is one, uh, he's probably the leader of the anti Leas Anderson crew. Oh, and boy. he basically doesn't care if Leas Anderson ever puts on a pair of skates again, let alone for the New York Rangers. I made a bet with him that Leas Anderson would be an NHL player. It doesn't not. There's no, doesn't have to be with the New York Rangers, but I said yep. that Leas Anderson will be a New York Ranger. 
or, or I'm yeah. sorry, will be an NHL player. Do you, would you take that bet? Are you on my now, side what, or his side? What do you lean? I'd take that. I, uh, well, I'd, I'd, take, I'd take that bet. I guess the question is, what does, are, what, when you say be an NHL player, are you talking about pull, have another chance in the league? Like play one game or does he have to play like a, like a 200 games? Like what's the criteria here for we, an NHL player? We haven't gotten that, that far, but my thing is one season with another NHL team. Like he lasts with yeah. another NHL team for one season. I, you know, I think so. Uh, I am a fan of Leah Sanderson, or at least his game. I'm not, I'm not going to get into the personal issues and how that was handled, but I'm a fan of his game. I think he thinks the game at an NHL level. I think he knows how to play position himself in the NHL. Maybe he does have a lack of a first step, but I thought it wasn't as bad this season uh, in the, the short uh, glimpses and minuscule ice time he got. I, I see an NHL player there. I mean, he's went back to the Swedish elite league and then he, even though it was a very short sample size after like getting a mental reset and apparently uh, rehabbing that foot injury that he said he was nursing, he looked pretty good. Uh, I have seen rumors floating around that the Rangers and the Oilers are interested in revisiting the, the, a Jesse Puyi for Leah Sanderson trade. Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh I think Leas is an NHL player. I don't I don't know if he is dynamic enough to be a you know, a first, a top 6 NHL player, but I think he's very clearly thinks the game well enough to be a bottom 6 player. Um I and I think he's good defensively. Yeah, I just think I think he he's the type of player that if he starts with another team that doesn't have any preconceived biases or also just need help, period, that are willing to that didn't have as many uh, rookies as the Rangers did and just wanted to let him just kind of play his game. I think he'd be a, a pretty serviceable bottom six uh, player. So yeah, I think he's a, I think he's a player in the in the, the future of the league. So you know and. Yeah, sorry, Jimmy. I, I just that's just my that's my honest opinion. That's not because James is my co-host. Uh, I just think that in terms of how he thinks the game, you know, I don't think he's a you know everyone because obviously there's a lot of fans that's like, oh, he's a bust. He's a you know, he's a crybaby, prima donna bust. I won't speak to whether or not he's a, a prima donna crybaby because uh, I, I don't really know. I wasn't a, I wasn't privy to what actually went down. We only have a lot of speculative hearsay. Maybe we'll know one day. But just in terms of what I've my eyes have seen at the AHL level, at the NHL level, and then uh, now that it's a few games when he went back to Sweden now, yeah, he's clearly, he's clearly, I think he's an NHL player. I don't know how good of an NHL player, but I think he's at, at the very least, I think he is a bottom six NHL player. Okay, well, I mean, that definitely makes me feel better. And, <laughs> uh, okay, with that being said, I have another question for you because it is part of the news that um, with the Rangers prospect, oh my God, with the, uh, Laurie Pahuniemi. Yeah, yeah Pahuniemi. Yes. A heavy space. Yeah, nice oh one. man, that yeah. was brutal. Uh, I got to work on my finish. Uh, is going back to serve in the Finnish military. And I think they have to do six months and it could be spread out. Yeah. Uh, before, Perfect timing. Yeah, before the age of 28. What what are your thoughts on Capo Caco getting a few months out of the way and just, you know, they let him, they not release him, but essentially just let him go, you know, now until, you know, maybe next season starts. You know, I, I think that 
it would be a good idea. My only thing with Capo is that I, I in my head have a laundry list of things I'd like him to be able to some, if, if possible, work on this summer. So I think that's something maybe he should do once he gets his uh, himself a little bit more established. Um, okay. Yeah, just and again, I, not that it's, it's not a bad idea. I just I'm thinking right now we had his first NHL season, and although he got better and got more comfortable, there were some skating issues and other things about uh, weight training things that I might like to see him do. And I think that uh, for next summer, I think that'd be an, it's a great idea. You know, and I definitely understand the thought process that there's not much going on and he possibly might not be able to escape period. So then it would be the perfect time, but I don't know, especially, you know, with not knowing if what the Rangers are going to be doing. Um, I definitely think he's probably been, if that was ever brought up, I don't know if he's been advised not to do that just in case the Rangers are included in the eventual playoff format, but now he's got 10 years to get in six months. So even if he he did a month every summer, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he'd be he'd be fine. If I'm him, I try I pick one summer and I try to bang out two months during that summer just to get them out of the way and then maybe just to loosen it. You know, I don't I think three months is asking a lot, especially when NHLers have to train and get in back in shape and all that stuff. But um yeah, I would do I'd try to if I'm him, I try to wait till I'm com- a little bit more comfortable and established and then start banging them out. But I think this first summer right now, it's a I think things are a little too unclear and dicey and you know that also goes without saying that if the regular season doesn't start uh for next season doesn't start until december like they're talking about then maybe there is time to get it done so might not be the worst thing in the world james i actually don't know i just think it's one of those things that it's kind of hard to gauge until we know what's going on you know but i think for a a player like pio Niemi, this is a perfect time to do it so all right um okay that's i mean that's it for the amount of news and stuff like that do you want to get into the draft i don't know how many times you want to do this we we actually didn't even clarify that so uh, uh, i think we'll know when we've we've covered enough because uh, you know yeah all right so i'm gonna run the sim lottery okay all right and folks just uh so we're clear no one really knows how the draft lottery is going to play out who's going to be eligible if that affects what teams are in or out of the playoffs, if it's independent of that. But uh, it, from based on rumors, we're pretty sure the draft is going to be in early June. We've heard June 5th a lot. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of those things that if you think for the Rangers, best case scenario, they're eligible for the lottery. Uh, and they somehow pick in the top three. And I guess worst case scenario, they they are included in the playoffs. and. They somehow win the Stanley Cup and they pick 27th or 20 or whatever, 31st or whatever it is. But not that that's worst case scenario, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a kind of unlikely. So worst case scenario is they get far and then get dropped. So they pick up there, but they have two first round picks, one belonging to them and one belonging to Carolina for the Brady Shea trade. So yeah, uh, they have a lot of possibilities of places they might be able to pick. So yeah, I got another question for you too. Sure. Say you're Detroit, right? You have the yes. number one overall pick. Yeah. It's just a hypothetically. Mm-hmm. And then you have Ottawa, who has three first-round picks. Let's just say they get two and three, and then Islanders draft, I don't know, 20th. Uh, if you're Detroit, would you take the two, three, and the 20th and give give up the one? I wouldn't put it past uh, Steve Eiserman. You know? Yeah. I wouldn't put it past him because especially like him, him taking Moritz Sider at five last year just shows that he's a guy that he has players he likes. 
And if he can get them, he doesn't care if he takes them early or high. He just believes in them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if I'm Detroit and I am that confident in my scouting, and I mean, and you look at how Tampa has consistently found very good players at the tail end of the first round and into the second, you know, your Braden points. And I mean, look at Kucherov. Yeah, yeah. It just uh, if you're one of those teams and you are that confident with your scouts and yeah, then you do. I mean, it's obviously all depends how things kind of slide out. But if you if you know you're guaranteed Alexei Lafreniere and you think, is it, you know, uh, and if you yeah, depending on where that that's your your second of your two picks uh, ends up. Yeah, it's like I, I, I would definitely. But, you know, I think. You would assume that that you, using your third pick, you you're free to use it on a, a real boom boom bust uh, prospect. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you no. feel like you have two almost you know certified high NHL talent, although nothing is certified as we know, you know, because you have your Alexander Diggs and oh oh he was a good player. That's not fair. Uh, your your Yakupovs and you know so other other first round for you know first overall bust and stuff but yeah Lafreniere is a hell of a player so that I'm not worried about that if I was them so yeah I think that's a, a pretty smart uh, asset management all right well all right let's let's do uh round one here all right. sim, sim lottery and the Rangers are drafting okay they're staying in 13th 13th all right so this is actually a pretty good thing because so and I'll I'll probably I'll give every Rangers fans I'll give you like the safest pick there and then I'll give you maybe a pick that might yield uh be more risk reward. Um so the safe pick at 13 is a player you've probably everyone's heard a lot of and that would be Dylan Holloway. He's a, uh, a freshman center at the University of Wisconsin. He plays with Keandre Miller, Cole Caulfield, uh, Alex Turcott, uh Sean Doogie and a bunch of other uh, you know pr- already drafted players. Um and yeah, his I've heard I've actually heard a lot of chatter with the Rangers. Well, obviously because they watch K Andre so much, but he's been linked to them. His name has popped up in things I've heard and just little 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 you know ears to the ground things. But uh, the skinny on him, just really quickly, is that he's a center. He's uh, a pretty he's a great skater for his size. He's a he's a kind of like a budding power forward. He's I think he's six foot or close to six one, but he's like. He's a thick kid. I think he's already maybe, you know, 190-something. Um, but, yeah, he plays a power forward two-way game. He's really – he's he's mo- basically mostly a, a like, high-motor defensive two-way center. You know, he can – he's a good enough passer. He's a pretty good playmaker. Uh, he's kind of hard to gauge, though, because he is a freshman on a Wisconsin team that had a lot of high offense players, and everyone struggled across the board. So his – you know, his uh, point totals weren't very gaudy, but at the same time, if you look at how Cole Caulfield, who's already been drafted, and Turcotte, like, no one really, everyone kind of underperformed, Keandre included, right? And you can even make a, uh, a case that he was probably their most complete player every night, even though he was deployed mostly defensively in a more of a shutdown defensive role, and was, you know, as a freshman, probably just doing everything the coach, uh, coaches told him to do. So I think there is unmined offensive potential in him. I don't know how much. But I mean, there, you know, I think best case scenario, you know, you're picking a 13, you're in, you're now you're getting towards that, you know, the middle, closer to the middle of the draft. And yeah, I don't know. And in that range, like players that are available, it starts to become a little bit of uh it's, you know, you don't have as many sure bets. So 
I think there, I think he's very high. He's got a high floor. I think he definitely mm-hmm. plays in the NHL just based on his size, his skating ability, and that he's good defensively and he's, he's got good awareness and, and great defensive IQ. So he's definitely an NHL player in my mind. Like, I know it's hard to say things with certainty, but mm-hmm. I think he's, he's as sure of a bet to play in the NHL as, as you might think. But, you know, is his offensive potential very high? I don't think so. I think he's, his, you know, his, if I think of everything breaks right, he's like, he can be a, a very good second line, sh- like shut down defensive center and who can probably score, if everything goes right, score like 50 points because he's a competent playmaker and he puts himself in good spots. But I think that's high. That's it. That's his exact ceiling. But like I said, he's super useful. He kills, he can kill penalties for you. He's going to hound the puck. He'll probably drive possession in all three zones just because he's always doing the right thing. And that's extremely useful. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just a very safe bet, but you know, very good player. And especially if you're for, if you look at the makeup of the Rangers right now, they have, you know, they do have young offensively talented players, but they've kind of struggled at team defense and responsibility and just players that can think the game well enough when they're have to back check or support, you know, your defenseman. So, you know, you replace maybe if you move, uh, you know, you move Brett Howden to the wing and let uh, a kid like Dylan do most of the thinking on that line. I think that then you have a really good combination, right, for a a bottom six uh, defensive line. You know what I mean? And that then that will allow some of your players that are more offense oriented anyway, if Kraftsoff comes in next year or, you know, Heedle uh Strom continues to be the second line center, so he, you know, let Heedle can stretch his legs a little bit and not have to worry so much. That's great, you know. So, yeah, that would be who I would take with my safe pick. If I want to p- choose a boomer bust player, there, I'll choose another player that the Rangers are f- familiar with. His name is Noel Gundler. He plays for Lulia in the Swedish Elite League, and that's uh, you'll, you might sound familiar because that's where Nils Lundqvist plays. Uh, who, after his uh, amazingly historic season. So they've seen a lot of him and he's probably the most polarizing player in the draft right now uh, because it's clear that his offensive potential is sky high. He's got deadly skills, his ability to switch gears off the rush and just, uh, yeah, he basically people, you have to respect his time and space because just based on, he has a scoring touch that you can't teach Uh, in an instant. He can be extremely opportunistic and just, you know, fill the net if he wants to, he can score from, well beyond the circles off the rush or he can thread a nice pass to a teammate he's got a great uh he's a good dynamic skater for his size and he's a bigger guy anyway um and yeah but you know and then obviously the knock on him is that he has consistency uh problems you know there's some shifts where he looks extremely dangerous and dynamic and then there's some stretches where he's just kind of skating around and he's just not proactive enough but i think he's a guy who's his defense kind of improved as the year went on. And he, it's not like he's afraid to engage physically or anything. Cause he does do that. You know, it's just, he, he's a teenager and he's playing in the Swedish elite league, which is a men's league. And you have to be very, to succeed at that level, you have to be very, um, yeah, you have to be very structured and the coaching staff has to trust you. And he struggled at times with that, but it, you know, he was left off, uh, the, uh, UAT team for, uh, Sweden based on and there's you know there's i don't know there's talk of like character issues with him i don't know i think that's kind of sounds over overblown to me you know i'm sorry not yeah he was yeah i'm not u18 he was a, he was a, kept off the world junior team but um yeah he's he's definitely boom boom bust in my opinion because the skills are 
probably top 10 worthy. It's just the fact that is he going to show up on a consistent basis? But like, you know, if he pops, he pops. He's a, you know, if he, he's one of those players I need to redraft, he's like a top five player, you know, top 10, possibly top five player in the draft. Wow. All right. Uh, well, that's definitely uh, some good insight. I really do like, you know, the Rangers first pick that you said, uh, the Holloway. Holloway's a good, real good player. And, you know, I'm not to, sorry, not to cut you off, but like, like I'd said that the Rangers at this point, uh, that's a good spot to pick him in because like, I'd be really uncomfortable picking him earlier, but unless some, like some, one of the players that are spoke that is our kind of like a consensus top 10 talent wise, like drops for a crazy reason, like a Cole Caulfield did a few years ago. Cause he was so tiny, you know, I would have no problem taking him there, but again, there, it could change. So sorry, sorry for cutting you off. No, I was going to say, I mean, I just like a guy that can also play the left side because the Rangers seem to be right wing heavy right now. Yeah. Uh, oh, he's he's a lineup. center, but he can play wing. He could he could play wherever you want, probably. I mean, granted, it's, he's not you're not asking him to be your, your first line center, but he's yeah. super. He's a very smart player, versatile, uh, has I think he's got unmined p- uh, offensive potential. I think he's a c- kind of guy like kind of like how Morgan Barron has become the best player on his team, even though he's like was drafted not so much to more to be like a, just a kind of a bottom six, but is he's flashed some, uh, some, uh, yeah, some offenses like come out of his game. Not that he'll ever be more than like a bottom six uh, forward anyway, but, or fourth line forward even. But uh, yeah, I think he's, he's a, he's got a, uh, he's just got, he's very smart. And I think he's a very, he's a very direct player and he, he makes smart choice decisions and yeah, I don't worry about how he thinks the game at all. So that's good. All right, so uh, we're going to sim for round two. Let's do it. You got to be kidding me. And when we say round two, we mean just we're we're resetting the sim of the first round. We're doing it again. Not that we're we're looking for second round players, right? Yeah, no. uh, The Rangers are keep picking in 13, and they have not moved. And they still have not moved. And they still have not moved. Mm. And they still have not moved. Ooh. This is pretty amazing. They just don't move. They haven't moved well, out of 13. Well, I mean, I guess in that spot, their chances of moving, period, are moving up or down are very limited. Yeah, I don't even know if I'm doing anything wrong. Wait, hold on. What is going on? Are the other teams moving in front of them? Yeah. Well, that probably means, like, you know, only again, the top, like, six. Well, based on the draft odds, them moving last year was uh, a mir- a bit of a miracle, right? Because they were supposed to pick at 12. There we go. I think we got a 10. Nice. Okay. This is, wh- this is a good spot, too. I mean, they're all good spots, obviously. All right. But- so we don't have to deal with that gap. I am going to keep <laughs> simming until I get something different than 10 or 13. Okay. But uh, should we should we start? Should I talk about 10? No, yeah. No, yeah. Talk, no, talk 10. Talk 10. All right. So now... If the Rangers somehow end up with the 10th overall pick, things get a little bit more interesting. Like I said, I think this is uh, most of the chatter is that this is a very strong draft. And, you know, they say that every year, but I'll, I will say that I think this, the, the top 10 is, is pretty stacked with names, unlike drafts past where it's been like you have strong and weak pockets of certain players. This draft is very center heavy. So there's not a lot of defensemen uh, that'll probably go in the, although I say that I, it could be totally wrong, but just based on my own personal rankings that, yeah, it's, it's very center heavy. 
uh, not a lot of defensemen. Uh, so some players will probably slot up based on teams that are just like, we think this guy is the best defenseman. We need one, even, you know, especially as you get later, you're a little bit more willing to, uh, uh, go with, you know, you know, go with, uh, organizational need. So, uh, but yeah, so at 10, you know, you, you assume by then that <laughs> your, your top three or four, because again, there's some, there's also talk about how that's going to slide out. You know, Lafreniere is pretty much a consensus first overall pick, followed uh, by some combination of uh, Quinton Byfield and uh, Stutzla, Tim Stutzla. But then after that, you know, it's everyone kind of jockeying for position. So again, I'll give, at 10, I'm going to give two players, I'll give a player that's probably a little bit safer, and I'll give a player that's maybe a little bit more boomer bust. So safer in the, similar mold to um to to who i just met uh who i mentioned dylan holloway we have another center who currently plays for hifk in the finnish liga his name is anton lundell and you probably might recognize him because he played uh on a line at the world juniors with uh our current uh wunderkind Kapokako. so that's good uh they have some chemistry there um and in a nutshell, he is an extremely intelligent 200-foot center. He's a big kid. Not as big as Capo, but he's a, he's a big kid. And pretty much the hallmark of his game is that he thinks the game so well, is that he's in good positions like all the time. He, the season he's currently having as a teenager in Liga, which is a tough, uh, you know, it's a tough league to play in as a teenager. He, you know, he's in rarefied air right now. He's up with... Uh, Mikhail Granlund and, and Capo Kako and uh, Barkov and some of those guys uh, in terms of point production as a draft eligible player. Um, and yeah, he thinks the game at an extremely high level, his position, he's one of those players that he's always naturally floats to the right spot. So you don't kind of see him get there. He's just always, you think about what I, if with the, you know, with the emphasis on hindsight after a play unfolds, if you think, where would I go in this scenario? And he's already there. He naturally floats there. So he's a powerful skater, but he's not the most dynamic skater. His, I would say his agility is not that it's subpar, but it's just, yeah, it's not great. But, and also like he can, he's in top flight. He's a strong, he's got a, he's got a strong, uh, strides kind of long, but he's not like the most off the hop is like his acceleration isn't amazing. But the thing is because he recognizes plays before they end, they unfold, like he gets there early. He's kind of like Derek Stepan who always just kind of, teleported somewhere around the puck even though he step on is a worse skater and, and looks like he was like you know skating in mud half the time but he's somehow always at the side of the net with a, like a well-timed stick lift or whatever and he's like that he's a you know he's a defensive center but he's got a super deadly wrist shot which is nice he's got a hard release and he's one of those guys that he's really good at uh floating into soft pockets and coverage and then getting off heavy shots from the interior. And that's what you like to see too, is that he's a, even though he's like a, a young player because he's strong, he, he doesn't like operate on the perimeters. Like a lot of young players who play in men's league do, cause they can't like physically compete with them yet. He's good on board badly strong. He, you know, he's strong on his skates. And like I said, he's powerful once he's moving. So he can like, he's very good at timing things out. So he might just be minding his own business on the board. And then he's watching play develop. His teammate has the puck uh, in the, uh, you know, they're in the, uh, the, the opposing zone. And then it, like in a second, he'll just quickly step into open ice going the other way. And like the puck will be on his stick and then he can either stash it over the goaltender's shoulder 
or he's just at the right moment, like he'll step in to correct, you know, collect a puck in soft ice. And then everyone kind of panics because he just all of a sudden appear in a high danger area. And then he can um, he can, you know, find teammates in seams and then they can stash it in for like easy tapping goals and stuff like that. So he does a lot of damage around the net. Uh, offensively, I don't think he is. He's not really a guy who's like super dynamic and like carves up the zone and is going to like button hook like a Panarin and or find guys far. You know, he's just that's not really he just plays a very well positioned and direct style, but he's not exactly super creative. So I don't know. Offensively, I don't know what his potential is overall, but, you know, the way he's clearly extremely smart, I'd say where Holloway, who I mentioned, has better physical tools, I'd say. I'd give in terms of like hands and smarts, I'd give it, I'd probably give Lundell the edge. Hence why I think he does have like first line upside if everything goes light, right? Especially if he's a guy like Barkov that he works on his skating and he gets it up to a good level uh, that he could be just like a really elite two-way center. But yeah, that's a lot of things have to, you know, there's some things that aren't uh, initially apparent that would have to emerge from his game. But uh, yeah, I mean... He's, I think he is, again, because of how well he thinks the game and the fact that he's like, although he's not a tremendous skater, it's not like, he's not like a poor skater, you know, it might be one of those things like Capo and Anderson where you're like, uh, you know, his first step's not great, but I think he is like, he anticipates so well. And he's just, like I said, Derek Stepan was a, you know, a, a dog crap skater and that's putting it nicely. And yet he was a very good and productive NHL player for a long time. And it still is now, even though he's older and he's kind of breaking down a bit. But yeah, so that's my pick for the safe bet. And then at 10, I guess I don't want to say like boom or bust, because maybe I'll just say this is more of a player who might, someone in, who is kind of like a top 10 talent might drop. Uh, I would say that in that slot... I'm going to go with uh, Jack Quinn, who I think is a player that might be available there. And he, I, in my opinion, I don't know if there's, he's kind of not polarizing because he's like, he's really risen currently in draft boards, like especially as the season went on. He was se- finished second in the OHL in goals. He, I think he scored 52 goals. So only um, uh, Nicholas Robertson, who is a Leafs uh, draft pick, scored more goals than him. He is a, a extremely smart you know obviously you'll hear that word a lot as you get in the top 10 because you have to be smart to be a good high iq player to produce but yeah he's an extremely opportunistic uh slippery player uh he plays with uh marco rossi who's slotted to go in the top five uh for the ottawa 67s and yeah so there's there was some talk that maybe one of the reasons he's produced so much is because he shared power play time and occasionally would play shotgun on his uh rossi's wing but that's not the case um you know i think he he's clearly can drive his own line and yeah he's just somewhat he's super slippery he's very hip you know i talked about lundell with anticipation uh yeah i think he um he, yeah, he being Quinn has his timing is absolutely excellent. So he's like very good at hiding his intentions. Like he'll act like he is covering this guy. And then all of a sudden he'll like on a, make a snap decision and like beeline the other way. If he recognizes that there's a chance his teammates gonna, uh, you know, separate a man from puck and then he's got to step on him. He's a good skater. You know, he's not, not, he's like not the fastest skater, but he's like extremely agile. So he's very good off pivots. He's very good at changing direction quickly. Uh, he's very good at moving and finding soft coverage or like high danger areas as like little pockets in the play kind of open up. And yeah, I mean, 
again, like I said, there was some talk because he was such a late riser and his shooting percentage, I think, was extremely high because he, you know, he's very opportunistic. And it's kind of hard. Do you fault a guy like that for just taking advantage of what was given to him? Oh, and he also he's, his shot is probably tops in the draft with guys like Holtz and Gunler and uh, yeah, some of the other snipers, I guess, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, like Tyson Forster, guys like that. So he's got yeah, he's basically he's got a really deadly package. You know, you kind of wonder at that level. He's you know, he scored so much, but there's plenty of guys that torch absolutely torch junior. He's a bit older for as a draft eligible player. He's towards the, you know, the tail end of the cutoff. But so, you you know, and he's six foot. Uh, he's not huge. So I don't know if he's it's like he's got physical advantages on them. But, you know, he's got a little bit maybe a few months more play time. But, yeah, he's just he's a very com- I think he's a pretty complete player. Uh, you know, you wonder if he's just going to be a guy that he was really good at giving, just taking advantage of what was given to him. And then you're like, oh, maybe he can't create the next level. But basically, if everything, if everything breaks, breaks right for him, he becomes like David Pasternak. And just he's a like a extremely high finesse, smart scoring winger who can just innately knows how to dip in and out of play and just beat goaltenders. And yeah, and like I said, that release is that it's so he's got such a tricky release and how he times it. It's kind of hard to clock. And he tell he doesn't telegraph anything. He'll like he'll be uh, skating up the on his off hands up maybe up the left boards, and then he'll like in like two motions he'll dip inside, and then like hold it for a second because the goaltender gets set, like almost like he's timing the goaltender's reaction, and almost it's almost like he kind of innately allows him to get set, but knowing he gets set, and if he pauses one second, the goaltender's going to kind of like un like really you know because they get crouched and then they kind of uh, naturally have to start rising their body as you know as you get closer to the net to try to take away especially and that's when he'll like put it in a in a soft spot either like five hole or like under the under the arm or something so yeah he just has innate scoring ability that i don't think a lot of other players in this draft have and yeah i think he's maybe not as sure of a thing because i could see him being like just ending up a pretty good smart like bottom six uh complimentary winger but yeah like i said everything breaks right he keeps growing he gets more even more dynamic with his skating and he it turns out he can really just drive things off the wing he becomes david posterdock so yeah a bit of risk reward obviously if you're anything like me you've probably neglected grooming below the belt because you're afraid of cuts and nicks well luckily for us manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer the manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. When I tell you this is a premium, I mean premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. There's an LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Oh, and let's not forget about the charging stand. You can show your lawnmower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want to give you the chance to experience it firsthand for yourself. You get 20% off plus free shipping when you use promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's THPN as in the Hockey Podcast Network. Visit manscaped.com today and pick up their new lawnmower 3.0 electric trimmer. Your balls will thank you. 
yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm all right. So sorry, I was right. So I ran the sim while yeah. you were talking, and I'm gonna send you the pictures right now to prove <laughs> to you that I'm not lying. That these are the three picks that I got that were other than thirteen. So James just sent me uh, a, a few different sims, and we have one with the Rangers picking third, one with them picking second, and one with them picking first. So I ran it. Maybe I'm not even kidding. You probably heard the clicking while yes. Andy was talking, but I had to run it like a million times. And I'm like, can I just get somebody in the like five, six, seven, eight range? And I couldn't, I, it didn't work. The only thing I got was 13. I got two, like five times. And I probably have gotten, I got three once and one once. So Andy's going to give you basically a scenario where the Rangers are picking in the top three. So uh, yeah. sorry to play spoiler, but uh, Andy, no. Andy's pretty much going to talk to us about who he thinks are the top three players in the draft. And Yeah. So uh, I'll say this. Uh, first, overall, there's no surprise here. It's Lafreniere. Um, I would imagine of everyone mentioned, he's because, you know, usually even people that don't follow the draft, NHL fans, they have some idea or they've heard the name and seen quick little Instagram, YouTube clips. Uh, yeah. And there's not much you can really say about Lafreniere that hasn't already been said. You know, he is the best player in the draft, in my opinion. Uh, he just, everything he does innately is, is a little bit different. Uh, you know, he's strong. Uh, I wouldn't call him a power wing cause he's so finesse, but he's like got power to his game. He can, uh, bowl his way through people extremely soft hands, extremely accurate, high-level shot. Um, yeah, just whether he's playmaking or if he's just, you know, taking things into his own. He just innately can do everything on a shift-to-shift basis that just breaks, totally breaks down the opposing team, the offensive zone, how he gains the line, uh, shifting gears, quick pivots to the middle, uh, stick handling to buy himself time if needed. Uh, finding teammates. He he has enough skill to just take players one-on-one and just like stick handle his way into the middle of the ice and then, then to the, like quick inside outsides that just leave, you know, he'll like, he'll be skating towards two defenders and they're kind of gapping up on him and they're collapsing on each other and you're like, there's no way. And then he'll just kind of like pull using his stick handle. He'll pull them together and either step around one of them or like look like he's going to go juke to the outside to try to get around one and then immediately attack like the triangle between them and then go through them. And you're just like, Jesus, like, you know, he's just, there's, I can't say enough good things about him. Uh, you know, in terms of (laughs) Ramuski has already uh, produced, you know, um, one, uh, amazing player in Sidney Crosby. So it's fitting that, you know, now they have another one in him. Um, this is where it gets more interesting to me because there's second overall right now is, in my opinion, you know, they say every year, like usually it's like, oh, it's like these two guys who go first overall. I don't think there's any doubt this year. There's no, this is not like Taylor Tyler. It's not like even like, you know, uh, Kako Hughes or, you know, I don't know. Every, every year they try to pit the first and the second against like the other guy has a chance when he doesn't. And this year it's, they're not even pretending because it's the second overall pick, honestly, that's up for grabs. Um, and that's between two guys. You have Quinton Byfield who plays for the Sudbury Wolves. And then you have uh, Tim Stutzla, who is a, uh, a, you know, a center out of the, um, or went center winger, I should say, out of uh, the DEL, it's his German league, um, out of Ice Baron. Is he Ice Baron? I can always forget. Whatever. He plays, he plays in the, he plays in the DEL, you know, which has produced, 
players like uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Moritz Seider, who went fifth overall uh, last year. So he plays for so, Mannheim. Yeah, and it, Adler Mannheim. Yes, that's the one with the uh, with the the polar bear on it. You'll yes. have to forgive me. Yeah, sorry. Anyway, uh, and I, if you want to know why I'm so mixed up right now, is this, this morning I was actually writing prospect reports on uh, his line mates from the World Juniors, uh, John Jason Paterka and Lucas Reichel. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and they all play for different teams. So I'm a little mixed up, but bear with me. So anyway, uh, I'll, I'll kind of break down their games first, and then I'll tell you who I would take it to, and then obviously who I ever take it to the other team. So, uh, if you want to ask me who's a little bit safer of a bet, I'm going to go with Stutzla. Uh, he kind of plays, he's kind of like a little bit bigger Mitch Marner, if that makes any sense. He's like amazing skater for a guy who's six foot. He's incredibly, his, his like agility is off the, is off the chain. It's amazing. His ability to kind of like dance around out of corners with the puck on his stick uh, to make plays at high, at top speed, to roll out at top speed, and and with you know quick little shimmy fakes, uh, the way he can shoot the puck in motion on his off foot is amazing. He just yeah, he's like Marner in that, although you know, but he's bigger that he and maybe maybe he's not as dynamic of a skater as Marner in terms of just total top speed, but because he's bigger and can play maybe play it a little bit more of a power element to his game and probably. Uh, stand up to being leaned on a little bit better. He's obviously super intriguing for that. And yeah, he's just, he's another kid who I think he's extremely pro ready. You know, he's currently playing in the DEL, which is a professional men's league. So he's used to playing against grown men. Uh, he's willing, more than willing to get in board battles. He's more than willing to hound pucks relentlessly and try to get them back. And he's smart because he's, you know, even though he's like a good, a fair size for a teenager, uh, he like, he's not going to win every board battle so he's smart he gets in you know he defends with his legs he gets stick on puck and he kind of uses momentum to his ability is it the fact that he once he's got a puck he can dance around and it's like one thing if you're a draft eligible player to look like oh have flashes of brilliance but like there's times where he's like might clearly be the best player on his team on the power play he's absolutely magic on the power play as a winger he kind of operates off uh you know his playmaking hand on the on the on the opposite wall and He's a guy that, like, you'll see it. He's like one of those guys that he'll play catch with the, the defense at the point and then quickly button hook so he can, like, take in one motion, like, get the puck on his backhand, bring it to his forehand, and just kind of rifle it, you know? So he scores a lot of power play goals like that. He can play make. He can find seams. He can do cute, cheeky little passes. So, yeah. So, you know, he's like, I think if everything goes right for him, he's like a, he's like a bigger Marner, you know? And I think they can produce at similar rates, even though, like I said, I think Marner maybe is a little bit of a better skater, maybe a little bit more creative, where is uh, he can be a little bit more direct because he might have a little bit, he might eventually, when he gets, as he gets bigger, have more of a power element to his game. Uh, so that's Tim Stutzla. Quinton Byfield is one of the younger players uh, who is draft eligible. He's right, right before the cutoff for next year's draft. Uh, and he is absolutely huge. I, I have where I have where he was at at the beginning of the year. I want to see what NHL Central Scouting released their rankings. So I want to see what they have him listed at now. Excuse me. As I pull this up, I'll keep talking. Um, so yeah, he plays for Sudbury. He's a center. And he, despite being absolutely huge, he skates like the wind. He's an amazing skater for his size. I mean, you, you'll usually hear like, oh, he skates well for his size. And that's usually just a nice way to say like, oh, because he's like big, like he's, the fact that he's a competent skater is like good. 
uh, he's like a great skater at any size. And yet he just happens to be like an absolute unit. He's huge. Um, yeah, here we go. So they, ooh, so wow. He, he grew an inch six, four, two fifteen as like a, I think he just, he maybe just turned 18, you know, or he might, he might not even be there yet, but, um, yeah, but he's absolutely huge, but he's like, basically if everything breaks for him, he becomes Evgeny Malkin because he's big. He can, he's got, amazing hands he skates like the wind when he wants to uh he's obviously can be a domineering physical presence although his game is more finesse than power but you you say the same thing about malkin malkin is like more of a finesse guy who just happens to like can use his size to protect himself and let him you know what i mean but um yeah it's like he yeah it's uh it's interesting because at he's produced at a he was a very good for Sidbury this year. Like he was pretty, he's at early on, he was producing an amazing clip and he slowed down a little bit as the year went on. And then he went to the world juniors and yeah, he kind of underwhelmed there and he didn't get much ice time towards the end. And especially when you look at how, uh, Stutzla and, uh, especially even though he was out, but how, um, Lafreniere played like in the beginning. And then after he came back from getting hurt, that you might think, ah, well, you know, there's problem, but you, like I said, he's one of the younger players. Those guys have technically another season, or at least a, you know, if you want to be generous, you could say like another half season of development to figure stuff out, you know? So, uh, yeah, if everything breaks right for him, he's, he becomes Evgeny Malkin, but I think he's still a project, still a little raw. He thinks the game very well. He can make high level passes. Sometimes I don't think you know, especially when I saw him struggle against best on best at the world juniors a bit and just get a little bit lost. I think sometimes it's that, yeah, I think sometimes when playing within structure, I think is one of the things that is going to come to him. But right now it's like, yeah, maybe he doesn't have, I don't think he's got enough comfortability with his own skill set yet to like constantly parlay it into a successful formula, but he will. I mean, he was very good and he produced at a very good rate in Sudbury, but it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, in terms of his physical tools, his his potential is is top of the draft. So Lafreniere is first overall. If everything breaks right, I think Quentin Byfield could be the best player in this draft because he's just you cannot, you know, the physical. You, you always say physical tools, but his skills package on top of his God given you know physical tools are that amazing. That if it breaks well, you know, he's like I said, he's of Genny Malkin, and he can one of those players that if he if something happens, he gets angry or he just he's determined or he's just he can just literally take over games and be unstoppable because you can't get the puck off of him he's so big you know he can uh shield the puck he can make plays he can skate in traffic he can beat you on a breakaway he's just yeah he becomes you know and this is not this is stylistically this is not to say he'll, he'll ever be anything close but you know he's got the, that Mario Malkin thing you know just big guy unstoppable skills at top speed you know so yeah so I take Byfield at second overall just because it's too hard to pass up. You know, if he, even if he doesn't pan out, maybe I think he could still he'd still be a good NHLer. Uh, you know, I think he's got more development ahead of him. Might have to marinate a bit longer than the other guys, just because usually bigger guys figuring out what their limits are and how they can play the game. You know, I don't care who you are, Barkov. You know, with few exceptions. You know, uh, you know Lindros and Mario, but. Uh, yeah, I take I take Byfield at second overall because if everything breaks right, like you might have picked the best player in the draft. So that's how yeah. I would go. Yeah. So I mean, to break down those two those two players for myself, 
Tim uh, Stutzel. I don't even know if that's how you say it. I'm calling yeah. him Stutzel because that's fine. Yeah, no, it's a fire German name. <laughs> he 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 was one of the best players I've seen in the you know World Junior Tournament. I mean, yeah. he was so dominant and he was so smooth out there, and he single handedly made Germany like uh like a very difficult team to play against. And he's in every single play. I, I just I loved him. And yeah, um, I a while back, man, I don't even know. Why, probably during the tournament, someone said that he he'd probably be equivalent to a Kyle Connor. Just a and you know and looking at it now, that is like one of the players that he is compared to. And I yeah. take that any day of the week. A guy that can score thirty five goals and you know match with assists and you know sort of probably be in the eighty point uh, range a year. Uh, and you can put him pretty much with anybody, uh, you know, he's just a complimentary player, no matter where, I mean, there's like, obviously he's going to be probably taken in the top three. So he's obviously very good, but I think he would be a great fit for the New York Rangers, especially just the way he plays now Byfield, I mean, I'm, I'm not totally sold on him and I know he's going to be taken second overall, but you know how hard it is to become Malkin? Like, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's one of the, it's, it's a beginning Malkin. He was arguably the second best player in the league for so many years, uh, you know, playing, you know, with Crosby on the power play and stuff like that. Like, and he arguably gets better when Crosby's out of the lineup. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. I don't know if he can realistically meet that expectation. I would certainly wouldn't mind having that experiment done in Manhattan uh, with the New York Rangers jersey on him. So yeah, obviously those two guys are are standouts in the in the second and third. It's interesting that you said that you'd take Byfield because I would lean Stutzel in in this scenario. Well, you know what it is is that to me, it's and it's weird to say this. Like I think I'll say I think Byfield is a higher ceiling. I think uh, Stutzel has the higher chance of reaching a ceiling, but I think Byfield also has a higher floor because. He's our, just based on how he skates and his size. And then he's demonstrated to me that he clearly thinks the game. I think there's less unknowns with him too. So in terms of risk, and he's a, he's a natural center. Whereas uh, Stutzel technically, is technically a winger. He's, he's dabbled with playing center, but he's, he's truly he's still a winger. And I think he'll be a winger at the NHL level too. Cause I think his game is more of suited to that, to be like, well, it's another thing too. He's a left winger. And I think the Rangers really need some depth on that side of the. Range. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and again, it's like, this is why I think this is hard. And this, this argument actually has like value over, you know, some of the, like the manufactured, like who's going to go first overall stuff now in the you, path because well, these two, yeah. Sorry, what are you going to say? No, I was going to ask you, do you think that this draft, I mean, no matter if it doesn't matter if the Rangers are taking it, uh, yeah. the only, I guess, scenario that it really wouldn't matter is if Ottawa's drafting at two and three, which is, you know, very, <laughs> very realistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, where it wouldn't matter, I guess, where they went. Uh, do you think that people will draft towards their needs or do you think they'll try to take the better player? Like, uh, I think in the top 10, it's going to be BPA. I think honestly, I think for the most part, well, I'll say this. So, uh, Yaroslav Askarov is the, uh, the only goaltender slated to go in the first round. He, and with goaltending, because it's voodoo, I have no idea where he's going to go. Because it's he will be his selection will be B 
be based solely on what teams need it. The Rangers will not select him anywhere. I, I'm that I am sure of. Although who knows, maybe they do, and everyone loses their minds. But, but like it's one of those things that he, you know, there's there's some pl- players like him, especially goaltenders. Like he is, if he has elite talent, he has franchise altering talent. Um, he can join the long list of talented Russian goaltenders like Sorokin and uh, Shesterkin and um, Samsonov and Vasilevsky. And if you, there is a chance you take him and he lives up to his expectations, you don't have to worry about goaltending for 10 to 15 years. Right. And so the hard thing is that there every year, it seems like teams kind of convince themselves, ah, well, goaltending is voodoo anyway. Like we don't want to take a guy there, but there are teams that are currently how many teams were undone by goaltending this year that don't have goaltenders lined up? Like, does LA needs a goaltender, right? You know, unless well, I forget. I mean, look at, look how beneficial it was to Philadelphia this year. I mean, you can argue that. I mean, I guess he was a little rough on the on on the road, but he but, at home know, he was yeah. Uh, at and home just, he it, was a game changer, and you know, I would argue that you know Philadelphia would have been one of the wild cards in the playoffs as a as a probably a favorite to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, if I was a gambler and then wanted decent odds on a team that I felt like had all the pieces and if it just clicked, I would yeah. not be surprised if they won it. The Flyers and it, you know, all starts with, you know, Hart. They finally had a goaltender. Yeah, I mean, you know, since Brian Boucher, they've kind of been like ugh, it's been a revolving cast of characters and they've always been like they've you've always sensed it like that goaltender was going to let the Flyers down. And they draft Hart, and even if he's like not at the top of his powers yet, and he can be inconsistent, there's just a, a calmness that's like we have that taken care of, and it calmed everyone down. You know what I mean? You see, every when he's got a good performance, like the young kids performing good, like they perform good. It just you can sense it that that organization feels like they're like you know shits for real now. We brought in the coach that has been to the, the the final steps of the dance we're a team that's trying to get over the hump as well we're all going to do it together we finally ever so and that's extremely important so yeah i mean that's going to affect things as far as teams outside of goaltending selecting for need i would say me you know teams say they don't and it's always bpa but i think that's that's absolute you know horse manure i think there are teams that definitely do that especially if they're so little you know at a certain point I'm going to say after 15, probably just to be conservative that I think at that point you're throwing, you're throwing darts unless you really feel like you well, this gets have a strong read. Into you know? my, my last question, my last, uh, sure. I know you did a lot of talking and, and gave good <laughs> insight and yeah. um, I'm sure we'll have to revisit the draft. Um, especially when, um, you know, if we, we know different. Yeah. Yeah. When we find out some news on it, the Rangers also have a, a second first round pick. In, and right now it's sitting at the 23rd spot. Wh- who do you see they, they take later in the draft, uh, uh, drafting in the mid-20s? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I think there, I, I could see the Rangers definitely, especially, and that's what the two, like you look at Leah Sanderson was like high character, safer pick, and then you, they take a gamble on Heedle at uh, 2021. 20, you know, it's like a kid whose numbers didn't like the, the world on fire he was largely a notice, but produced fairly well as like a very young teenager playing in a men's league and, and for Zlin in the Czech elite league, you know what I mean? And then it proved like a very good pick. Like it's in a redraft. He goes way higher than that. You know what I mean? So especially as a center and he's only getting better. Um, so I do, I do see the Rangers doing some combination of, you know, safe pick 
here and value, you know, and, and boom bust here. I mean, I mean, that, and there's there's a lot of fa- factors. They have their list. They're going to work off of it. And if their player is still available, you know, you saw them uh, trade up to get K. Andre because I I assume they based on his potential they had him considerably higher on their list. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. And he was another, you know, he wasn't a sure thing either because he was more of a project. So especially taking him second and then Nils, who was maybe they I don't think they thought Nils would be as good as he was, but they knew he was smart and he would probably be like a a Strawman-esque light player. But now, lo and behold, he has offensive dimension to his game and he thinks the game way better and he just gets smarter and smarter. And now he's like, you know, has one of the best seasons as a player that, you know, in their D1 year after being drafted ever, you know, so. yeah, you know, so I think it I think it depends, but granted how they feel now, like the vibe is that they're like they're close and they have they can score. The Rangers Rangers team's got skill abound. They can score, but they need to like I imagine that that's why I wouldn't be surprised if they end up taking players like I had mentioned in Holloway and Lundell, but also guys maybe who might be available like if Jan Mishak, who plays for Hamilton's there, who's like an extremely smart, uh, high motor a uh, guy who's like committed to his defensive responsibilities, but literally does not stop moving his feet and can hound pucks and can get them for you. And maybe he doesn't have like the greatest offensive upside, but like he is like going to play on your penalty kill. He is going to be a pain in the ass to play against. He's never going to take his foot off, off the, you know, the gas pedal and he's going to bring dangerous dynamic elements to your game, which is a great value there. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm trying to think I'm going to my, I'm looking at my, draft list if they pick at like 23 like uh who i have a 23 well it's funny that you spoke about this kid earlier but uh gunler they have projected well this i mean this mock draft projected yeah. uh going to dallas at 22 yeah i have i actually have i like gunler a lot and i think i have him a little bit higher than that i think i have gunler I mean, if he's available at, at 23 would you be like oh yeah well that's that's him. the part yeah and that yeah and it's a great point do you take Noel Gunler there? Like, because like you said, you already think you, you know, if you're comfortable with you picked Holloway or you picked uh, Lundell or a player, you're like, I am, they have a high floor. They clearly think the game, if they doesn't pan out, they're an NHL player, at least, you know what I mean? Do you go boom on him? Do you take a player like uh, Hendricks Lapierre who missed most of the season, who has, has had uh, concussion issues, but is like when he does play, he's been absolutely uh, dangerous and dynamic in every shift. You know, and especially now the the news coming out that his last injury wasn't so much a concussion. It was a a neck injury like with Crosby, where he thought he he had a concussion. It turns out he had like compression on his spine and they alleviated it. And then he felt like much better, you know. So, yeah, there's like, you know, so, yeah, like I said, I think it it all depends. They have their list. Uh, I, you know, the Rangers, I think they're going to value the guys they have a they have eyes on. I know they they they're one of the teams that scouts uh the the KHL very well especially cuz Nick Bobrov is their director of European scouting so i wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Rodion Amirov who's like in my opinion the 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 um the top russian player who you know to go off the board uh he'll probably go uh, he's got top 10 skill he probably will go maybe a little bit later because yeah like i said he's russian depending on who picks in the top 10 there are some teams that are comfortable with that. You know, the Capitals and the Rangers love that. Other teams, maybe not so much. They they stick to Canadian Major Junior or whatever. Um, my like my dark horse player is plays in the MHL, which is uh, two levels under the KHL. His name is Marit Kusnudinov, and he's absolutely he is like 
an elite skater who does also doesn't take his foot off. He's just he thinks the game and plays the game at such a pace that it's like really, really uncomfortable for the other team. And he can do things at high speed, but like he his really seems devoted defensively and and like over in that level, like when you to get ice time, it's a lot of it seniority based and you do what your coaches you're told by your coaches. So he doesn't really apply himself too much to offense. But when he does, you see him he does great. He was great at the Ivan Holinka tournament. Like he captained that team. So yeah, I think there's some unmined gems there. So I definitely if they if they're comfortable with their first pick, I wouldn't I would not be surprised to see them take a player that maybe has either boom bust, like I said, like Gunler or LaPierre, or like they think is a diamond in the rough that people under underappreciated like Amirov, like Kustinidov, maybe Meshack a little bit if players hell, even I don't the Rangers don't really do I don't they don't they don't really take players from the O a lot. Like I don't know if that's why, but it just is. But like yeah, I don't know if they take a Jacob Perot, who is another guy who's like who's like a debt, you know, can can fart goals like Arthur Kaliev, but at the same did last year for who but went late because everyone thought he was like uh he's lazy or he doesn't, you know, he doesn't commit himself. So who knows? But I do think there will be some combination of boom or bust. And I think the Rangers should, you know, if everything breaks right, they can come out with two very good players. You know, you, you kind of hope they don't pick, in my opinion, this is just me because I know other player, other uh, Rangers fans that feel way differently. Some of them, you tell them you're going to take a safer two-way European player and they roll their eyes and they're like, Yarr! and they get so mad. And then in the next breath, they say they should take Dylan Holloway, even though Dylan Holloway doesn't have a, you know, a lick more offensive potential than maybe they do. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, if I would like to see some combination, I would love to come away with a guy like Holloway and a guy like Meshack or Holloway and a guy like, uh, Goonler. Yeah. Holloway and Goonler would be awesome because then you get your, I think that's like, we were talking, that's kind of like your ultimate, like we take a guy, he's definitely going to be an NHL player. He's smart. He's committed. He, he's great on defense. He'll like stabilize us. He supports our demon. And then you got a guy like we, we have eyes on him. We've been talking to him. He knows like, we're going to help coach him, especially with him and Nils there. We'll get him through. He's we see he's getting better. So other teams, we think their issues with him are overblown, and we we see his potential that if he can just be more consistent, he's absolutely dangerous. So I think that would honestly some combination of I think Holloway and Goonler would be absolutely amazing. Yeah. No. I listen. I agree with you. Uh, I I want this uh, Perfetti kid. Uh, Paul Perfetti. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about the left wingers. I know he's a little small on the smaller side, but I, I want that kid Cole Perfetti. I feel like he keeps moving up the draft, so I don't know where he's going to end up. He's getting further and further, I feel like. like I feel like uh, a couple of months ago when I was looking at the draft, he was hovering around the, the you know, 10 spot, and now he's already, in this one at least, he's in the 5 spot going to Anaheim. So uh, maybe my dream, well, well, dreams You know what's funny, better. James, is that so the fact that players like and Perfetti, I not that I, I would call him small, but he's slight. You know, Rossi is smaller, but Perfetti is a slight player. But, you know, he can absolutely, you know, fill the net. Uh, there is a chance that because, you know, all it takes is like uh, Jake Sanderson is a, has been rising the ranks recently, you know, because for the while, Jamie Drysdale was the only defenseman worth his salt. And then uh, Sanderson is really coming on strong towards the end of the year in terms of uh, polling scouts and how they feel about him. And I'm high on Sanderson, too. I think he's a great player and he kind of he has a ryan Suter, ryan mcdonough element to his game where it's like he's not gonna be you know elite he's not quinn hughes but he's just gonna eat minutes and just be a like a, a net positive like the entire time you know what i mean yeah and no. he plays amazing defense but 
all it takes is like a team saying, I, he's on top 10 on our list and we're going to get him. We need, you know, we think he is worthy of being taken here and we think he's going to be our number one defenseman in the future. So he goes in the top 10 all of a sudden. Now, one of those players has to slip out who's kind of been consensus if that, you know, and obviously there's players that no matter what, they're not, they don't have consensus. Obviously, they just have their draft list. But if, if you, if that's all we have to go off of, like, you know, let's say one team is like Rossi small, but he is, a, you know, it's not going to hamper him at the next level. He's still a center. He moves well enough. He is tenacious enough. He's got a good enough lower body strength. He's going to grow or whatever. But they feel that way about Perfetti. Now, Perfetti is available outside the top 10. Maybe he's available at 11 or 12. And other teams like, well, this guy's falling. You know, we were kind of on the fence on him anyway. Uh, you know, same thing. What if Lucas Raymond falls out of the top 10? Because even though his he's clearly got top, maybe possibly top three skill in the draft and was has been absolutely amazing for Sweden international tournaments that, you know, he, he's struggled a little bit since moving to the the sweet the Swedish elite league, where out his Alexander Holtz, who in my mind has more questions, has done a fair a bit better, and like you can see the oh if Alexander Holtz breaks, he's the next uh, Patrick Line. He just you know he's got elite shot. He can fill the net. You know, so it's a player like Perfetti or uh, you know or Quinn or. Raymond could it be available if the Rangers were picking at 12. There's a chance. It's slight, but it's, there's a chance one of them would might be there, you know? So, yeah, and that's why I think 12 is a, a, a far more fascinating spot for the Rangers to pick at than 15, you know? And my last question for you, what sure, are the odds sure. Rangers trade up in the draft? Uh, not, not, I don't, I, I don't think they're trading up with their first pick. Unless so, I don't know what the playoff format is. If they maybe if they, I don't know maybe if they're I, picking. I guess we have to wait for the lotto. And we yeah, have to well here at, how how about this? If the Rangers are picking, in my opinion, just based on the talent of this draft, how it's slated, I think if the Rangers pick anywhere before 14th, they are not moving. I think anything after that might be fair game. If they're picking at like 16 and then are picking at 25 or 26, uh, yeah, I could see it, especially because they don't have a second round pick, and they're like at this point, well, I'll we we know we can if they think that they get a good enough feel. I don't know how the fact that the GMs aren't a table length away from the other GMs affects this. I don't know if they're going to have like secret GM slack <laughs> where they're all talking. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, kind of like, uh, like Blackberry messenger, just kind of like, Hey, like side chats about like making trades. I don't know if that's going to affect things or if it's going to be a little bit more drawn out and deliberate. But, uh, yeah, I think, well, yeah, we I think have two third round. Two third round uh, draft. Yeah. So imagine if you're like, we'll give you, you know, to move up. If we're like, give us your second rounder. Like if we'll give you our third, one of our third rounders. uh, Yeah. Like I could see them like definitely like saying we, you want this guy. We want this guy. We know he's going to be available. So like uh, we'll, we'll take your, we'll switch first rounders. We'll move up, but like give us your second rounder. Because I know you know that this team is going to take him. They like him. You like him. So let's yeah. let us help you get him. You know. Yeah. So who knows? You know they did they did that with uh, K Andre to move up and uh, yeah. So far it's like it's, it's still still no word on how that's going. It's just but you know K Andre at least seems to be on a pretty good trajectory. It just it is growing pains. But yeah, it's where if they if teams v- v- uh, deem it worth it, excuse me, um, then they're going to do it. So. All right. Well, I mean, you did most of the talking, and I, I know everyone is uh, uh, going to edit this one down, folks, because you're tired of hearing my voice. 
No, no, no. You did great. I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm not, I don't have the ability or the knowledge to give anybody an in-depth look at a lot of the prospects. And I'm so happy that you have that knowledge. So, uh, you know, it was fun, you know, doing the draft. And I swear, I even have the pictures. So the Rangers really did come out at one, two, and three. <laughs> they came yeah. out at 13 and uh, they came out at 10. So, and everything else was 13. I, I clicked it maybe a million times. You'll probably hear it throughout the yeah. podcast and my apologies for that. But uh. yeah. So, you know, I, and I know we, we had spoken about it that after it leaked that, like there was going to be the playoff format was going to be that the teams that were excluded were in the top seven, but like only you can only move up a few slots. Like only the top five teams would have a chance. Apparently there's been major pushback on that as there should be, you know, I don't understand why you would have to do that anyway. Uh, you're already, you know, so many of those teams, Ottawa and Detroit, like they're so they're borderline guaranteed anyway. Uh, I understand. I think I understand that they're trying to prevent like Detroit trying to get that franchise, trying to get back on its feet. But like you can't, it's not, you have to make it fair for everyone. You know, you can't say, oh, you're, you're not, you're not including the playoffs. And because you missed by our arbitrary cutoff way by one point, you can't move up at all. Like you can't do that. It's not fair to the bubble team. So uh, it looks like we'll get some, either a more inclusive playoff format, which I don't know how I feel about that or get something where it's like, if you are excluded, you're not in, we are going to make it worth your while. And you have a shot at a very good pick, no matter what, which is fair. I think that's very fair, right? You don't get, you don't get into our arbitrary system, but we're going to like make it worth your time. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting how they do it. And I think they really need to make a decision on what they're going to do with the season and, and playoffs before they start throwing a draft around. And that's just on, on, you know, the reality of the situation. And I, and I know the NHL is probably chomping at the bit to get all these, you know, TV ads and deals done for an NHL draft while people are quarantined, but that's just not realistic. And, you know, I'm sure they're trying to figure out a way to get it done while people are stuck at home to get more viewers, but you know what, it'll, it's always a positive too, that if the NHL does this, you know, later in the summer and, you know, there are less eyes because more of the States are open. That just means that next year, the hockey season, maybe we'll, we we will see, you know, fans in the seats because, you know, this is a a long-term effect on, you know, and it, this virus has, you know, a longer term effect on all sports next year. Uh, you know, even football's, you know, thinking about not doing any fans next year. So, again, if we're at the point where states are starting to open and the NHL misses a chance to make money off of an NHL draft, then, you know, it's probably a good thing. And, yeah, and well, but, well, breaking but. news, I am getting a uh, the antibody test on Monday. So when this drops, you'll probably listen to this after 10 a.m. I already had the antibody test and I'll reveal my results hopefully the following week. So nice, exciting. Something to look forward to. Absolutely. 20% chance. Um, All right. So I'm good. I got everything that I needed to know out of the draft. Uh, Is there uh, any any final words you want to wrap it up? Sure. Um, So every year, like I said earlier, they say, oh, this draft is going to be the best draft in a while. 2020 actually has had that rumor just based on the quality of the the top 10 last year it was more of the top five was much stronger and then after that i was like ah you know it's kind of a a mishmash in the the later rounds with a little bit of a resurgence where there was like some really good 
late uh, second round, late value steals. Um, I This is a really good draft. There are, and this is just my personal opinion, there are a lot of question mark players. Uh, it's... <laughs> You know, as as far as the the amount of centers is exciting, because obviously teams are always excited to draft their next franchise altering center. Uh, there's quite a bit of, especially North American centers. You know, between your your Maverick Borks and your Dawson Mercers and your uh, Connor Zaries and your Hendrix Lapierres and all these guys. You know, so yeah, it's just uh, in terms of defensemen, there's like it's easier to kind of not get lost in the mix of like who does what it's like Caden Gooley is shut down defenseman. And if you like, if Jakob Slavin is your idea of a number one ideal, number one shutdown guy, here he is. Or, you know, if you are so envious of the teams that now have Kale McCars and, uh, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I almost said, uh, Jack, uh, his brother who plays for, Quinn Hughes, sorry, excuse me, Jesus. Quinn Hughes, like if you're envious of teams that have that as their next dynamic defense, well, Jamie Drysdale is like going to go in the top 10. So there there's so many elements to this draft that are kind of interesting on top of the fact that there was no playoffs, everyone got stopped, and now it's like you have nothing but speculative to go on. It kind of almost evens the playing field because, you know, sometimes there is late love for guys based on, oh, they, they tore it up this tournament. Well, you didn't have that. Everyone just kind of cut their seasons off. This is all you get. So how do you feel about this guy? This go based on the video you've watched, you know, scouts can't really see them in person anymore. So yeah, it's just really fascinating. But, um, the the draft is my favorite time of the year because you're projecting what your hope of what your team, especially for me, specifically the Rangers will look like in the future, kind of you're thinking what they need, what they could have. Yeah. And it's just, it's fun. You set your expectations. I love the wheeling and dealing. The Rangers have two first round picks. So that's exciting again. Uh, and yeah, it's even though it's kind of perplexing, I understand from a revenue-making perspective, the league is saying this is what we're doing. So it is what it is. So, uh, And I'm just happy to have the wheels moving towards some form of hockey, especially this, which even though it's like kind of you have to make uh, concessions, it's fun. You know, it's, it's no one's going to be in danger. And it's it's content related to your team, which is what more, which we've all been a craving after the season got shut down prematurely. So I'm excited. Uh, this season, as the month goes on, I'm going to get more excited because we're going to get illumination and you know how to set your expectations and you can really key in on guys. So yeah, we'll be, James and I will be talking about that. Thank you for listening. And uh, I hope you're all excited as we are because it's draft season. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.